find 10 seconds of courage, do set things in motion. If you don't stretch yourself, right, and you wait until you have to put on the full superhero costume to feel like you're finally brave enough to, you know, engage the situation, that might take three weeks, that might take three months. You definitely can't wait three years. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. And today's guest is Jerry Fu. He is a coach on helping people deal with conflict resolution. We've we've all dealt with it at one case or the other. Either somebody is overly aggressive about conflict, somebody doesn't really mind conflict, or somebody is conflict averse and you can never get to a resolution. We're going to talk about all three of those categories today, ways to work with them, things to identify, and ways that you can get to a resolution at the end of this situation. I'm excited about this conversation. Jerry brings a lot of insight from his personal perspectives and from his personal journey. Before we jump into the conversation, though, let's remind you to subscribe if you haven't already. Whatever platform you're listening to this on, make sure you hit the subscribe button because we have a brand new episode coming out every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. And I don't mean to cause conflict, but if you haven't made the commitment yet, Go ahead and do it now. Uh, you can also find the video version of this on our Facebook page and YouTube as well. You can do that at L-O-C-D-O-C-I-N-C. Just search that on Facebook or YouTube. You'll find it there. Make sure you subscribe and you'll get a brand new episode every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. with topics very similar to this as it relates to business practices and strategies. Now, get ready for this conversation with Jerry. We got so much to say, we got a podcast to make, we're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Oh yeah. Jerry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Hey Chad, thanks for having me. Man, I am I'm excited to chat with you. We're gonna be talking about um, some of the the ways to handle conflict resolution, or uh, really, I guess, uh, around people that are struggling with conflict, and we've had some really fun conversation before we get started here. But we have to handle rapid fire before we get into the rest of the conversation. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, and so we'll do that: five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values, and then we'll give you a score at the end. Are you excited, Jerry? Absolutely. Question number one, what's something others purchase that you simply can't understand why? Oh, um, uh, Snuggies? <laughs> I can't disagree with you. I can't disagree. Mm -hmm. Question number two, who in your family can't you believe that you're related to? Oh, man. Um, I have, uh, I have an uncle who, um, it's always an I don't uncle. know if it's good or bad, right? <laughs> like I can't believe good. I can't believe bad. No, there's one <laughs> uncle who, yeah, he, um, like he basically drank and gambled his, his marriage away. So yeah, kind of a, kind of a tough situation to see. There you go. Yeah. Question number three, do you have any memories before the age of five? Before the age of five? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is the first conscious memory I had. I just remember like 
climbing a beanbag to get to bed and sleep. I must have been like three or something like that. To, yeah. To, to, yeah, that was my first like conscious memory of like, oh, I exist as a person. The, I would say one of my first ones uh, was probably four. I, I broke my arm, and I remember oh, wow. that entire process, um, how it happened and then everything again outside of that. But then there's not a whole lot else that I remember around that same time frame. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Cool. Question number four, where is the next place that you want to visit? Oh, man. Um, you know, I want to I wanna go to Melbourne. Yeah. Melbourne. All right, what what's the draw to Melbourne? Uh oh, lost you. I think we froze. Yep. Let me try again. Oh, let me do that. So yeah, Melbourne. And then you asked, you know, what why Melbourne? So okay, yep. Cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I I loved uh, Australia the first time I went. I took a a bus tour from uh, Cairns to Sydney. And that was probably the two favorite weeks of my life. And then uh, Melbourne was just kind of another city that I, I put on the queue and just never got around to yet. So uh, yeah, I, I heard it has a very European feel and I'm always a fan of cities with great mass transit and such. So uh, yeah. that seemed like a natural fit. Yeah. So, so that's, so that's a, a major kind of travel to get there though, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's, yeah. A, it's a, that's a, a big, a big task. Very cool. All right. Uh, question number five. If you had to describe your current life as a movie, which movie would you choose? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. You know, this might be reaching, but I'm still going to say it. Uh, the Incredibles, right? He's got to, you had superpowers, you got to put them away for a while because the, you know, the liability was too heavy. And then, you know, you put yourself back in situations where, you know, you have no choice but to live them out. So. Yeah, Very cool. Very cool. I like it. Congratulations. You made it through rapid fire. We'll give you a score 714. All right. All righty. Uh, let, let's get into the conversation. So, Jerry, you are a, a pharmacist, correct? Yes. Okay. And today we're going to be talking about conflict and addressing conflict. Walk yeah. me through how pharmacist and conflict resolution coach marry themselves because that is is a is a big stretch yeah yeah happy to build that bridge for <laughs> you guys and so yeah basically what happens is right um between growing up in a family where conflict is not handled well or you know there's just a lot of hurt feelings and you know uh people just get amped up and then you also work for a chain pharmacy for a couple of years where they just tell you just placate unruly and unreasonable people because we can't afford to lose their business, you know, just kind of leaves you in a kind of a tough rut because you don't try to be passive, but people keep finding other ways to overcome your attempts to stand your ground. And so uh, between those two things, uh, when I left that job and took on a teaching job through a pharmacy consulting company, I got fired because I, uh, I just wasn't willing to deal with conflict because it kept distancing myself from it, you know, uh-huh. distancing myself from the kind of challenges that I was paid to, to handle and overcome and build, you know, strategic relationships with both my boss and potential clients. And, you know, and it got worse when after that job, you know, after I left that job, you know, not against, you know, not my choice, but um, I end up at a, at an independent pharmacy house of cards where four of my paychecks bounce one filling for crooked doctors. 
right? And so this boss is clearly ripping me off and I don't know what I'm supposed to do to confront him. Be like, hey boss, so yeah, another check boss. You mind, you know, helping me out here, right? And um, again, right, just this conflict aversion, just struggling to um, engage in difficult situations. And then I got out of that job thinking when my friends got me on with another company that was more legit, but couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. And so I was living in Houston for uh, when I first moved to Texas for this consulting job. So I'm in Houston, right? And then they said, well, you know, you can get more hours if you cover at our Austin location. So I go to Austin. And so, you know, I'm working out there with no idea what my life is going to look like. And so that summer was when I was asked by some friends who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit to help facilitate one of their seminars. They said, hey, we like what you're doing on the fraternity side. Now we have a spot open for our leadership side. We'd love for you to step in to, to help with that. And I said, absolutely. And so teaching leadership um, did something in my head where it's like, you know what, maybe I could actually be good at this. Because before I said, oh, leadership is hard. I don't like dealing with challenges. I don't like failing at dealing with these challenges. So let me just stop dealing with them all together. Right? And so now I said, well, what if I could be a good leader? Right? And that'd be maybe how would I carry myself? You know, what would this possibility look like? And so um, came back, you know, all, you know, much more confidence and uh, when an when a full-time manager position opened up in Houston, um, I said, yeah, I got to take this. I want to come home. I love my Austin team. Just I knew I couldn't stay safe. And the following year, I proceeded to get written up because my technicians are behaving badly and I'm not disciplining them or firing them. And so, again, like management says, OK, these techs are a problem and your passivity is a problem. And, you know, we're going to have to dress them all. And so, you know, eating more humble pie. Uh, that company had their funding pulled right as I got off probation. And so, you know, the only reason I even get a, a job at my next company was, or an interview even, was that I had leadership experience in my resume. So what I tell people is that leadership saved my career. But, right, I still have this struggle with difficult conversations and difficult situations and conflict that I'm just slowly starting to, like, make some progress in. Because at this job, the first technician I hired was not working out. Like a lot of personal drama started to get in the way of her availability. And, you know, I want to believe her, like these stories were crazy, but I was like, I don't think she's lying to me. But then, you know, my boss was like, look, the clinic that we're working with is not happy. and They're concerned that she's not pulling her weight. And so that was a tough moment for me to realize, you know, it doesn't matter how legitimate the reasons are. If she cannot meet the expectations of the job, like she has to go. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fire her, then, you know, my job is probably in jeopardy too. <laughs> so, oh, and plus, right after I fired her was like after I found out that she'd also gotten pregnant. And so it was just like doubly like my, I'm dying a thousand deaths here. Right. And it was just kind of like, I can't, I can't do this. Um, anyway, so that job only lasts 11 months. I keep jumping around a couple of the jobs and getting more opportunities because I have leadership on my resume, but they're like icebergs, right? These jobs just keep melting after like one or two years. And so I just said, after my last job went under, you know, a couple of years ago, I said, well, I'm tired of hopping from iceberg to iceberg. Uh, dealing with insurance challenges and, you know, doctor scripts and things. But what if I, you know, did full-time leadership development because I love teaching these leadership workshops, which I consistently done since 2012, you know, what would that look like? And so again, still very much a hobby and not a career pivot yet, right? A couple friends, you know, nice enough to hire me, but it was like hobby money and not like career pivot money. And, um, you know, it took a pandemic, right. For me to finally say, how much longer am I going to put this off? Right. But the problem, right. With that is that, uh, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm a leadership coach. And they're like, Hey, join the club. Right. Plenty of leadership coaches out there. 
And so uh, my niche then decided, I decided to niche down because all my friends around me just said, Jerry, it's a no brainer. It is conflict, whether you chose it or it chose you between your personal challenges and conflict and your professional challenges and conflict. Uh, this is, I think, a, a really, uh, you know, this is, this is where you need to be, mm. especially for other Asian Americans whom you know probably are dealing with the same challenges you, do, you are dealing with. So that is the full transition from pharmacist to uh, conflict resolution coach, even as I'm in the, still in the middle of this transition, right? Because I still, I'm trying to figure out how, when to hop off one train to get on the other as soon as it gains enough steam. Yeah. So it, it, this is intriguing to me because um, conflict resolution is something that I guess it's, it is as part of leadership, it's something that you have to figure out how to navigate. It's, it's not even, oh, absolutely. It, it's not something you can delegate. It's not something that you can get away from. It is part of, uh, as part of making, it's making progress. Right. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, man, either run from it, um, or you embrace it and figure out how to get better at it. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, even from your story that you just shared, there's a lot of running from it. Um, yeah. and now you've just got, yeah, you turned and said, Hey, well, let's, let's embrace it and get better at it. What I, I I'm, I'm trying to process this because man, as an incredible story of all of these ups and downs and, uh, uh, and just kind of saying, okay, and dealing with and pushing off and pushing off. Um, there's, there's some, some kind of built in resentment, I guess, over time when it's just that kind of constant process of, uh, can't deal with the conflict. So I just, I just kind of squash it and move on. Like how to, how to, if maybe people are dealing with that on a regular basis, how are you coaching people or how do you coach yourself on that? Cause I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of, a lot of that, um, yeah. pa- packed in that, in that backpack that you're carrying around. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, part of the gauge, you just have to ask yourself, is this a fight, you know, that is going to have to go long-term, right? Because if you're, if part of your conflict is you have like the one drunk uncle at Christmas party, right. And he's just like, you know, like you're not using, you know, you're not filling the full potential of your life and you should have gone to med school. Right. It's like the kind where you're just like, all right, let's throw the gloves off and let's go. Right. Is that worth your time and effort, right? First, you have to ask yourself, is this conflict worth engaging in? Like, is this the hell I want to die on, right? Um, but, and so for those, right, if you have a lot of baggage, right, that, I mean, forgiveness is a muscle and a skill you have to learn like anything else, right? It's not just like some people are good at forgiveness and some people aren't. Uh, forgiveness is something you have to learn and practice. I'm sure, like, you in, in your marriage, you had to learn to get better at forgiveness, right? And, I mean, this is true for anyone, right? Even if you're not married, like, you're probably going to have relationships and something's going to mess up and you're going to have to forget, and that's okay, right? That's just something you have to learn to get better at, right? Um, the other part, though, is uh, if you know that you are conflict-averse, and this is the kind of the stepwise formula that I follow, you know, for myself and I've shared with other people, right? First is you have to kind of like with my ability as a leader, you have to imagine that a conversation could be successful, right? Maybe it could just be as simple as, hey, you know, uh, you talk to your roommate, hey, you know, I've noticed you've left, you keep leaving dirty dishes in the sink. Could you, could you, you know, please wash them, you know, when you're done, just so it doesn't build up. And they say, oh yeah, sorry about that. You know, it's been busy lately, da, 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 right? It could be that simple, mm-hmm. right? 
And so to give yourself permission to allow for that possibility uh, is what ideally kind of helps get you going, right? Um, and again, success may not be that you restore the relationship to 100%. Mm-hmm. Success may mean, hey, let's find a truce to make sure, hey, we don't talk about politics or religion, politics or religion uh, you know, when we meet because we just, we're just going to you know, take sides and, and start you know, taking take, uh, cheap shots. And that's not something good. Sure. That's not helpful. Uh, the other times success is evicting a roommate or firing somebody, right? You just have to terminate things. And I've had to to roommate and believe me, that's that's nothing I hope I ever have to do again. But I'll have to say, okay, let's imagine success. And then number step number two is to find 10 seconds of courage to set things in motion. And this is key for me because if you don't stretch yourself, right, and you wait until you have to put on the full superhero costume to feel like you're finally brave enough to you know, engage the situation that might take three weeks. That might take three months. You definitely can't wait three years, right? It's just, Hey, I just need 10 seconds of courage to stretch myself to send that text, pick up the phone or send that email, like push the boulder over the edge and then lock the gate behind me. So I can't backtrack. Right. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, okay, well, I've already agreed to have this conversation. Okay. Step three, uh, script your critical moves. Okay. So in step one, we imagine, okay, this is, Here's like what could be like, it could be, we could get a successful resolution and step three. Now I'm going to anticipate pushback, right? I'm going to make sure I don't let things rattle around in my head. Let me write it down on paper. Let me get all my thoughts out on paper and start to organize things. Make sure I include everything I feel is important and put it in a logical flow, right? So now I'm starting to kind of give my own strategy. And then step four, let me rehearse things. Like, let me not just memorize these things for a test. Let me look at myself in the mirror. How's my body language? Uh, Do I have good posture? Is my tone confident? Maybe I get a friend to role play that boss that I need to ask a race from and see what kind of pushback I'm going to get, right? So now I'm sparring in the dojo before I get out on the street, right? And you want that muscle memory before game time shows up. Yeah. And then step five, just do it, right? Like you, you're the cost of the cost of not engaging is, is, is higher than the cost of trying and failing. Because one thing I learned the hard way was that if a friendship is going to go South, at least they know exactly why you're upset, with them, mm-hmm. right? So that that way that resentment doesn't sit in your chest and you're just like, Oh, why didn't I say anything? Cause I've had friendships like that. You're just like, Oh, this guy's annoying me, but you know, I'm a, every time I try to confront him on it, he just deflects and gets defensive. And I'm just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. So let me just distance myself instead of, hey, man, this is the problem, right? Like, keep this up and I'm not going to want to hang out with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And I say this now as a threat, it's just a consequence, right? And then at least if it's going to go south, at least, hey, you know what? At least he knows why. And I hope he takes that feedback to improve himself. So we understand the frustrations HOA board members and property managers face when deciding the best solution for their HOA and pool security. Should we use a keypad? hand out keys, or install a key card system? Do we even need cameras? These are some of the questions that are difficult to navigate, and we're here to help. At LockDock Security, we've spent over 20 years working with homeowners associations and property managers to find a system that best fits the pool and HOA needs. Camera systems for the front gate or front entrance, key card systems for the pool gates, or simply updating the gate so that it meets safety and code compliance. We like to take the guesswork out of the process to answer any questions and help find the right solution. Our mission is to help you protect your people and your property, and that includes pools. Contact our team today to schedule your free consultation for your community. 
man, okay, I've just jotted down your your five steps here. I'm I'm trying to maybe bring the conversation around from the opposite side because sure, I would not say that I am a uh, a, a person that goes after conflict all the time, but I yeah. also don't mind it. I'm, okay. I'm watching, I'm reading this and, and I've had conversations with people over the years and I can see them maybe following something along this process, but they maybe, maybe unintentionally, right. Yeah. Uh, especially scripting the critical moves, rehearsing things. And, and those typically those conversations show up in, well, what, what are they going to, how is this other person going to respond? And, you know, mm-hmm. well, what should I say to this? And what should I say to that? And for me, I just I'm I've always understood it. It's it's a conversation. You work through it. If yeah. what I I don't yeah. know. I can't prescript what the other person's going to say. Of course, but I am I'm interested in. So I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to understand this from from maybe a different perspective of saying, okay, how can I, as someone that may not necessarily run from conflict or. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm running towards it all the time, but I'm not necessarily running from it. Um, how can I identify these types of concerns or these types of things in other people and realize that maybe maybe I am creating the the conflict that they are not uh, that they're not excited about. Right. So, um, I'm trying to think of maybe a a better way to say that, but if I'm engaging in conflict with someone and the other person is not prepared, not ready or not excited about it at all, how can I be a one that can help them through the process rather than just get it, just kind of pushing them into a, a stage of resentment or a stage of appeasement? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a common struggle. I know I've, I've made that mistake several times. Um, and so one tip I can offer you is to position yourself as a guide, right? Um, a guide for the other person, right? And so I'll give an example just to, you know, just to really let people sink this team, sink their teeth into this, mm-hmm. right? So at one point I served, I volunteered as a church class director at, at this church that I went to mm-hmm. for a while. And my second day on the job, I found out uh, one of the ladies in my regulars in my class informed me that a newer guy in the class was sexually harassing women. Okay. Second day, right? And they're like, Jerry, you're director, you have to handle it. You didn't give me a manual. <laughs> you know, just run toward the gunfire. Just handle it. Okay. So, anyways, so I call Nick up. I was on vacation, by the way. I found this out and then had to go on I was going on vacation the next day. And I was just kind of like, great. I can't even like sit this guy down like and sit and sit with him face to face and sure. try to get some body language, you know, gauge whatever things. So I get him on the phone. We'll call him Nick. And so I'm like, Hey Nick, so something's come up and you know, I, I, you know, I just need to, I need your help trying to process this. Right. So I tell him, Hey, so this is what's been said about you. And he's like, Oh, I don't know what to talk about. I don't know what to talk about. That's not me. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously if I just say, well, I guess if he says he doesn't do it, I guess yeah. you didn't do it. Right. I just, I can't just leave that alone. Right. Cause this is a pretty serious allegation. So I told him sure. this, I said, okay, Nick. So now, right. I'm shifting from opposite the table to same side of the table. Right. So now it's, it's you have to confront to initiate contact, but then now you go to the other side of the table and now you're working alongside him to work toward a common solution. Right. Yeah. And so I tell him, I'm like, okay, Nick, you know, from what I can tell this, there's basically three possibilities. Right. One is that you are right and they are wrong. Like somehow like 
they're saying something and you, it was just an honest mistake. So it sounds like it could be a misunderstanding. Best case scenario, number one, is that it's a misunderstanding. You're doing something you weren't aware that was offensive. Um, you fit, you go talk to them, you clear it up, you just apologize and say, okay, but you know, sorry, I made that mistake. If I was inappropriate, I'll stop that. Right. It could be that simple. Mm -hmm. Right. Us, uh, option number two, uh, they are right and you are wrong, which means you are lying and you know, you have to go to them, apologize and make sure it doesn't happen again. And we're going to keep an eye. We're going to keep an eye on you because mm -hmm. yeah. this isn't acceptable. Like people need to feel safe in this community or option number three. They insist that they are right and you insist that you are right, which means now it's their word against yours. And then I have to ask you to leave because I've known them longer than I've known you. Mm -hmm. right. Their credibility means more to me than, than yours does because you've only been here with us a couple months. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and so I tell him, right. And then at that level of reassurance, hey, man, like I'm just looking out for you. Yeah, I am. Right. Because if I, if it were just, if there's smoke, there's fire. And as soon as there's like alleged, things i'm just and i just run you off that doesn't give you a fair chance sure. right but me right since i wasn't directly involved in this i have no idea like who's right and you know, instead for infantility and so when you position yourself as guys say hey look i'm really just trying to help find a solution for you right same thing with like a technician who's behaving badly or not pulling their weight right it's just like hey your punctuality is a problem mm -hmm. right and i'm not sitting here trying to do this to gun for you i really am telling you this because i want you to keep working here mm -hmm. right if i tell them hey look I want you to work here. That's why I'm telling you this feedback. Mm -hmm. Not, but you know, you have to step up. It is and in order for you to work here, right? You have to. This is what show has up to on change. Time. Yeah. This is what this is what has to change. And so when you realize, hey, and you say things like, "Look, I wouldn't tell you this unless I cared about you. I wouldn't tell you this unless I felt like you could handle this kind of feedback." Mm -hmm. Right. And that doesn't work unless you actually mean it. Because if you're just saying this to say, oh, "Okay, let me just placate them and like kind of encourage them," it's like, no, they can tell you if you're being fake. Yeah, those statements don't work if you're not uh, authentic. Yeah, so those are some tips I would offer. Just say, hey, look, at the end of the day, shift to collaboration. If you're if you lack courage, shift to curiosity. Hey, you know what? Let me just learn a little more about the situation. Sure, right. So, and, you, yeah. so you have a you have somebody that is is conflict averse, right? They're they're ones that really run from conflict. If it starts to even get close to it, they just kind of shut down, move away. Maybe they're, maybe they're the way that they deal with it. Their coping mechanism is they just cut you out. Right. So, uh, even yeah. at the, even at this, the smell of conflict, I'm just shutting it down. We're not even having a conversation yeah. anymore. You have other people that are not afraid of conflict, but they're not always looking for it. And they're going to try to work through to, to maybe get to that, that resolution. And then you have, and I'm just trying to put people in three big buckets here. The third category is okay. they are looking for conflict on the regular. Like they yeah. they sniff it out and they're actively going after it. Those people and the people that are actively conflict averse, bringing them into a, a, a any type of a community situation or in a business situation. What's the result of that? I mean... <laughs> depends on it depends on the nature of the conflict right if they if they're taking a, a molehill and turning into a mountain okay yeah you know that's 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 not a healthy dynamic right mm -hmm. so yeah so so you have people that and that's the unfortunate part of today's society right is that if they're conflict averse they can always create enough space where you can never get close enough it's like they they build a moat and then no matter what kind of boat you go across the moat they just keep adding water and somehow you like you can never get close enough to deal with things and um you know, to, to respond to that, right, 
what I learned recently to help improve my own approach to conflict resolution is anytime you're about to talk, you need to pull someone aside. Don't just say, hey, can I talk to you? Yeah. Because now they're dying a thousand deaths, mm-hmm. right? You said instead, you just go ahead and plant the topic that you need to talk to them about. Hey, uh, when, you're, when you're free, can I talk to you a moment about punctuality? Sure. Right. Can I talk to you a moment about accuracy of filling, of typing up prescriptions or something like that? Because now they're not dying a thousand deaths of every, anything, mm-hmm. possibilities that you know they, you might be calling them out on, right? Or adjusting with them. Now it's like, okay, no, he's talking to me about punctuality. Okay, now I can kind of get ready for that, right? And that's a nice courtesy. Um, for the people who, you know, kind of are just happy to mind their own business. Yeah, maybe you just want to you just want to give an environment where they're open to share and open to receive, right? And just say, hey, you know what? You should always feel okay to speak up. And hopefully in the same way you are allowed to speak up, you'll let others speak up and listen to yeah. well, right? And I think that's a, that's a, that's, those are the best kind, right? Because people understand, hey, like there's no, this is simply an opportunity to improve and communicate and build our relationships. And that's basically all this, that, that's the healthiest form of conflict resolution, right? Hey, this is a chance to grow and build and learn, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, for the people that are more sadistic or, you know, get, get find that high or that thrill off, like just like, like disrupting things and rocking the boat. It's like, okay, well, are they disrupting, like what are they disrupting the boat with, right? Mm-hmm. If they're upset about certain things, like, hey, we are not compliant. Like this is like a, some shady business venue. We shouldn't do it. Okay, yeah, those are the canaries in the cave that you don't want to shut up, right? But if there's people that are just like causing drama and reframing situations in such a way, where because I've, I've I dealt with that like mm-hmm. one of the first technicians I brought on from a previous employer because I thought she was competent and then turns out she would just like to you know she was very good at hogging the credit and deflecting mistakes and just undercutting unity in the team is like okay no like this is not healthy and we have to get rid of this because it's one thing if like if she were calling me out on stuff that was helpful and things I just didn't want to admit that I had to deal with like blind spots or passivity or things. Okay, fine. But if you are just looking to just, you know, um, game the terrain in your favor um, and then just get paid and, and, you know, drain company resources because you feel like you're doing us a favor for hiring you. Okay. No, this needs to stop. So it's not that you, I think I, my hope is that no one feels afraid to initiate conflict if it is something that's honestly possible for them and you know to have the wisdom to say okay is this something i'm just going to let go or is this something i need to talk about or is this like an urgent thing that i definitely can't wait right now right do i give them a little like margin to say okay maybe they were just careless or they were just busy or you know okay now there's a pattern okay now i need to at least you know be a detective can you copy this key That's a question we get asked about 3,422 times a year. And how can you actually be sure that the person who asked that question is supposed to get a copy of that key? Well, we think you should always know who can copy your keys to your business and your home because it could be your neighbor, an old employee, a contractor, or even worse, your mother-in-law. At LockDock Security, we believe in protected key systems, so you always know who has a copy of your key. To find out more, visit LockDoc.net or stop by our Charlotte location. LockDoc Security, helping you protect your people and your property. Okay, so we've we've kind of looked at people that are uh, conflict-ready, uh, conflict-compliant, uh, and then conflict-averse. 
when yeah. when we talk about conflict aversion, I, I'm I want to ask you from a from a coaching perspective, if you were sitting across the table talking to somebody that has has been identified that they are conflict averse and they have this long history of running from the problem and just kind of putting putting it aside and never really resolving things and carrying on a lot of resentment and just dealing with those types of frustrations. What is the advice that you're giving them to say, okay, here's your here's your history, here's where we are, and you've now expressed that you would like to change and not be in that kind of uh, mentality or in that kind of position all the time where you're just constantly cutting ties and running from things, and you want to change that so that you can be more confident in your approach. What are the things that you're coaching people on to to kind of ready themselves to – uh, to, to not be in that space all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I can, I can say this from experience because yeah, I mean, I still deal with my conflict aversion on a regular basis. It's just that I have this system in place to, to compensate for it. Right. To say, okay, when I start to get scared, right. Okay. Let me find 10 seconds of courage. And so to the person that I'm coaching, right. I would ask them, you know, what do you, you know, what's your story around conflict? Right. So I would ask them that. And for a lot of people, right, the answer that they say in one form or another is that conflict is a threat on my identity, on my self-image as a good and competent person, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to admit that there are times that I am incompetent or I fail people or, you know, I step on tripwires and I unknowingly like some kind of like elephant in the china shop, right? I, like, I don't want to admit that I make these kind of mistakes, right? And so, yeah, and so instead of saying, well, what if we could fix that, right? They just say, well, I don't want to be involved in a situation that threatens my identity, so let me just keep running. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of the shift is to say, you know, yeah, so what's that costing you, right? Are you going to quit your job every single, every six months just because you did something your boss is upset with you? And you're like, nope, nope, this isn't me. And, And you quit? Like, what? You just ask them, you know, what's the trajectory of this pattern, right? You know, and then you say, you know, what would you like to change? You know, and then they say, well, I'd like to be able to navigate a hard conversation and actually feel okay about it after I get through it. It's like, okay, well then, you know, how would you, how would you, how could, the, what are some ways you could do that? Right? How would you counter yourself? Like when you know you have these habits that have been ingrained for so long, what are some things you could do to, you know, um, keep them from, you know, defaulting uh, to these things, right? Because that's basically what I had to do. Right. And I was like, well, you know, at least let me read a book on like how things could be different. Sure. Here's a book on different difficult conversations. Just read the book. Right. Just, you know, it can be that simple. But yeah. And then the application. Right. Okay, who can come around you to support you whenever you fall into these bad habits? Yeah. Um, You know, accountability helps just getting opinions from friends helps. Hey, I've got a situation here, you know, and make sure that it's friends not just giving you advice, but are going to ask you, hey, what's your next action? Right. Yeah. A common question I like to ask them is how will you choose closure over comfort? Because honestly, like that's basically the, the that's basically the situation. Right. Because people think, oh, I just want to stay comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get out there. But once you taste that closure, oh, my goodness, you're just like, oh, the weight off my shoulders. Right. When my uh, the roommate who defaulted on his lease finally got out of the house, like you're just like all that comfort that I settled for for so long was nothing compared to the closure that I felt when he finally moved out. Yeah. Um, 
and to, you know, and so if they don't have any personal experiences of success, like they don't have any bright spots, it's like, okay, well, you know what, let me, why don't we study some stories where they did this well? And what kind of nuggets do you want to take from these stories to apply in your own life? Um, because yeah, like when you don't have any frame of reference of success, it's kind of hard to tell someone well, what did success sound like to you, right? They have no idea. Sure. Like they don't know what they don't know. And so to be able to offer them stories or examples that they can study for themselves and say, Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I really like this. Maybe I try this thing of 10 seconds of courage. You know, I like this part about apologizing, you know, even if it's not my fault, right? Let me, let me take this reassurance, uh, phrases that you use to say, Hey, look, I'm really just trying to be the best friend I can be for you. And in order to do that, I'm going to have to talk about some tough things. Sure. Right. Uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. Give them a couple of key phrases that they can recite back. And so that way in the moment, the muscle memory kicks in and they say, okay, yeah, this is where I need to say this. So those are some things I would start them off with. I like it, Jerry. Your website is called adaptingleaders.com. Uh, and I think you you just pretty much summed up what uh, what you have on here is three points that you help your uh, your clients uh, get to clarity in the next steps, confidence to take them and closure after overcoming the difficulty. And those are, I think, really interesting, uh, ways that you can help people. And I, I, we've all dealt with it, right? Uh, no matter where you are in, in an organization or a community, you've dealt with it at some point. You either are that person, you've dealt with that person. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, the long term, the goal is that there can be closure and there can be resolution. Um, and that, that's really the win. So uh, working with each other to get there is, is ideal. So, uh, man, I appreciate your time today. This is, it's been a very, very eye-opening conversation. Um, and I, you, you do individual coaching sessions with people that are really trying to work through this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you know, a couple options. Yeah. So there's individual coaching, there's group workshops, right. On things like burnout recovery or fighting apathy, leadership without titles uh you can also have me as a keynote if you want uh you know that's all it's all in the in, in the toolbox for anyone who's interested so yeah check it out very cool leaders.com jerry thanks again for joining us today man it was an awesome awesome conversation lots of notes ways that we can take action on this ways that we can identify these in other individuals and we can all just kind of work better together. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. A brand new episode's coming out next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., and we don't want you to miss a single one of them. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and find out more by visiting lockdoc.net slash podcast. We'll see you next week right here on the Coffee Break Podcast.